Hey, 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 welcome to episode eight of Address Unknown. We are recording this from our camper van, Wanda. We actually recorded the last episode uh, in Wanda as well, but we are still here. And so let's catch up on where we have gone and what we have done while cruising around Australia. Hello, we are back. This is Jonica and Mark. We are going to be talking about our first leg of our road trip around Australia. As Jonica mentioned, we are now in Wanda full time. This is for visual a 18 foot conversion van, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. When we arrived back in Sydney, our friend Bridget let us crash with her in Bondi for two nights. Obviously, we wanted to have hang time, so we got to meet her little dog Wednesday. Yeah, hang out with Wednesday. A little cavapoo. Yeah, well, snuggle, snuggle times. Thank you again, Bridget. That was very nice of you to let us crash with you. We also got to have dinner with Leo, Jonica's little co-worker. Yes. Uh, this time we were in Newtown, the neighborhood, which so he took us out. A great plant-based uh, Mexican restaurant called Vandal. And uh, kind of like Williamsburg. As like, a like long time ago. 2000s, early 2000s, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then it was time to pick up, as we discussed... The graceful woman of the road, Wanda. <laughs> uh, this was one of the first things we booked prior to planning this whole trip. We, we actually researched and looked up what type of camper van to rent and how to do it. So this was years ago, practically now. I mean, well over a year ago. Yeah. We knew that we had to book well in advance because we're coming up on the holidays, which is... As we are learning, we'll get into this probably in the next episode. This is when the Australians hit the road. Yeah, it's busy. Mm-hmm. So as far as these van, camper van, if you will, companies, there's lots of them out there. There's Maui's one we've seen. Apollo is another. Uh, Juicy is a common one, both here and in New Zealand. And while these are nice, they're very much run-of-the-mill standard setups. We were seeking something more... I don't know, custom or more boutique, I guess, more attractive. I think, you know, knowing that this was going to be our home for 40 days, we wanted something that was comfortable and aesthetically pleasing, if you will. Yeah, it's been been such, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, the the site we actually found this on, we want to make sure this is known as, it's called Campify. And Campify is basically an Airbnb for... These travel vans. These are owned by people, sometimes by small companies, but mostly like this is a, a van we rented from a couple who have three of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more expensive than these companies we, we previously just mentioned, um, some of the larger outfitters, but at $150 a day we are paying for Wanda, which is basically our home, our kitchen. Uh, there's a shower on this thing, though we don't we only use we'll it coming use back from the beach. Air quotes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I can't wash my hair in that so-called shower. That that would never happen. But all but all said and done, for that price, it's it's a home. It includes insurance. It includes roadside assistance. Uh, the only thing that we do not get included is obviously gas or petrol here. Um, on diesel, we're paying roughly five to six dollars a gallon, which is kind of standard like West Coast prices, but still is also lasting us a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. Not cheap, but I don't know. We've had to fill it up, what, 
twice, twice now. Yeah. It's a moving home. Yeah, not too bad. So a couple of things when we were researching Wanda and the van that we wanted to get is a big thing is obviously I've never driven a vehicle this large before. So I wanted to make sure that there was a backup camera. Uh, and this time I wanted to ensure that because driving on the other side of the road that and having a large vehicle that she was automatic. We obviously wanted some sort of kitchen capabilities so cooking in the van mm -hmm. uh, we have a rooftop platform which yep. is a plus and solar an amazing solar amazing solar uh, wanda is about i think you might have said this but i can't remember is 5.5 meters long she is a 2021 do you say renal 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 yeah. a master so so far so good uh, everywhere we go, we get tons of compliments on Wanda. Her build-out is done really well. When people see her, they definitely stop and, and ask us about the van. She's not ours, but... Uh, we'll brag about her. We will. We will definitely brag about her. Um, so one of the great things, as Mark mentioned, is this the solar power on Wanda. So we, we book powered sites, we book unpowered sites, but we do not have to book or stay at powered sites because she uses solar. We have yet to go below 85% of her battery, which is all charged by solar. So she charges in the sun and also while we're driving. So there is no plug-in capability with Wanda because it's just not necessary, not needed at all, which is great. There is a water tank that we can fill, which we use for the sink, primarily just to rinse off dishes. Um, and like Mark said, we've used the shower. Maybe you've used it once, but mostly we've used it to like rinse up our feet from the beach. The people that we rented this from, they have three of them. Um, and so for us, we're thinking like, this might be something that we bring stateside. This yeah. could be a, a good business they were not, for they, us. They were not bashful about stating that these things turn mm -hmm. a pretty penny. Yeah. Just because of the demand for them. Yeah. It's huge. Exactly. And, you know, there are places in the States that do this, right? Escape camper vans. We have rented one through them before um, and, and drove around through Utah. We saw escape camper vans in New Zealand as well. So it's definitely something that is around. But the Campify sort of situation is a little bit more high end. Um Again, on our website, addressunknownworldwide.com, we'll post pictures of Wanda, we'll post the site for Campify, and all of the places that we've stopped and stayed, and uh, all the things that, that we've learned, I guess, when, when booking Wanda, and we also have another van that we'll be picking up in a couple of weeks that future, we also booked for, for Campify. But yeah, so because I have experience driving on the other side of the road I've been driving but Farber has been an amazing navigator and for the most part though it's been going pretty well I think Wanda like I've said is big not only is she long but she's wide so you know there's always like a little bit of depth perception that's a little bit of an issue I feel like uh, when you're driving on the other side of the road especially you know the first day or so but knock on wood Things uh, things have been going pretty okay with the driving. Yeah, I would say within the first like 45 minutes of leaving Sydney with this van, we almost got divorced. 
But but after but like, like two like hours, a city. It was a city. It was very like tight lanes. There was a lot of curse words and yeah. there was a lot of blame on each other. But we, yeah. we soon overcame that hurdle. Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job. Yeah. But I we we talked about it right. Like it was. I knew the first day was going to be stressful. It's always stressful. You have to get acclimated. I think I've done pretty well. And you've also done really well navigating. Yeah. If you want to test one's love, get in a van with your partner. On the other side of the road. Yeah. See how well that goes over. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But... One thing that we will talk about on this episode is, you know, when you go on Instagram or whatever and you see hashtag van life, it's not all that. It's not all beautiful sunsets. Tan bodies. It's not all ocean front sights. Yeah, fruit on a platter all the time. No, yeah. no. It's, it sucks a lot. And <laughs> we've had a lot of really bad weather. Um, and so in a, in a tight space that can make for a lot of um i don't know real real conversations let's say Mm -hmm. but we'll get into that a little bit more because again part of why we want to do this podcast is to not gloss over and make everything seem like it's butterflies and sunshine and rainbows because it's absolutely not there there's still real life when you are traveling on the road so anyway after picking up Wanda, we drove only one hour to the Royal National Park. Massive park. And again, it's hard to believe that it's only an hour outside of Sydney. This is one of the first parks that we had to pay for just a little bit, $12 to park for the day. But once we were there, we drove to one of the furthest out points. So we drove out to, I'm going to butcher this again, Watamola Wa- Beach. Um, and this was about a 20 to 30 minute drive from the visitor center. And we took this cliff walk out to little Marley beach. It was about eight kilometers out and back, same mm-hmm. trail. Mm-hmm. So it took us around two hours and it was beautiful. It was literally, if you put parts of Zion or Bryce right on the ocean, like beautiful, sandstone rocks the colors meeting the ocean tons of lizards we saw a short beak echidna mm-hmm. it looked like a we thought it was an anteater at first but it's like an anteater meets a porcupine but they're smaller it was so cute but also you were like don't go near it yes yeah. it's a weird what would you call it it's related to the platypus it is related to the platypus mm-hmm. it is a weird evolutionary only here that this only in australia and and it's maybe too much information but (laughs) this uh animal is is a marsupial Mm -hmm. but it can also oh god here we go it also gives birth Mm -hmm. and excretes waste through the same orifice i love that you're so obsessed with i mean i don't love it i hate it actually but what other animal does that the platypus okay so there you go Two animals in the world. <laughs> Shit and birth. I don't know that people needed to know that, but there you go. A little tidbit. But nonetheless, it was very, very cute. Really small. Mm-hmm. Little small guy. Like the size of a Nerf football. But this hike was absolutely stunning. And I'm going to say right now, one of the most beautiful places that we have been in Australia. Highly recommend visiting. One hour outside. Sydney. One Worth hour. It. So easy. Um, so after that, 
we kept driving and we went across the Sea Cliff Bridge. This is like in America, the bridge in Northern California from the introduction of uh, Big Little Lies. So just a massive bridge that is built over the sea. So you look over either side and it's just water. Um, so I'm really glad that I was driving because if I was looking down much, I would have freaked out. But you were in awe. It was very long. It was much longer than the one in California. And mm -hmm. it was really, really beautiful. I was looking over the edge and I was like, Jonica, look, look. And Jonica was like, I'm trying to drive. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure We're this still thing doesn't hit the wall. One day in. Yeah. I'm still yeah. trying to get my other side of the road bearings. So after uh, the park, our next, our first overnight destination, we wanted to make pretty close to Sydney just because we knew it was going to be a stressful, stressful day. Uh -huh. um, we landed at Bully Beach. Mm hmm. And before getting to the holiday park, we needed some supplies. So we headed to Woolworth's grocery store. So Woolies. Woolies, if you're in Australia, but we call it Woolworth still because we pronounce the whole name. <laughs> As we approached the parking lot, there was a, we've seen these in the States. It's like a, a height bar, I guess you'd call it. It's like a, a horizontal metal bar that states the elevation from the ground to the top of the bar. And yeah, your if your vehicle's too tall, you can't drive yeah, under it. Your vehicle makes it or not. Turns out Wanda was too tall. Okay, let's first say what you said. I actually. did say drive through it. You I said, said drive, drive through it. And I was like, I was like, if we drive through this, we are going to knock off the solar panels. We're going to knock off the platform. We haven't even had this thing for five hours. And you want to drive through this? And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, get out of the van and help me back up. Stop traffic. Like, get me out of here. I also like to live dangerously. And expensively, apparently. You wanted to buy Wanda. Okay, right so away. we so we we realize you know combined efforts we're not going to get through this situation. So I jump out, I stop the traffic. Mm -hmm. I had Jonica reverse out of the parking lot. You made it out. I did. We parked on the street. We fought for a little bit as the parking finalized itself and Truth. everything was done. But this was like the very first learning lesson for us. Like mm -hmm. there's a height restriction on this thing. Yeah, and you need to like be aware. Yeah. And know that, no, you can't just drive through. That's not a thing. After completing the grocery trip, we landed at the Holiday Park, which was very busy because it was a weekend. Mm -hmm. And we have learned that the weekends are the time. Yeah. Australians bust out in these camper vans and their RVs and they go to the Holiday Parks and it's immensely popular, immensely busy. Yeah, it's like people going upstate to their houses in New York. Or up north to Minnesota. Or up north to your to cabins cabin. in Minnesota. It's There aren't as many, I, I would assume, obviously, there's still, like, cabins and lake homes and beach homes and stuff like that. But these people have rigs. Yeah, I think, we don't we don't know this for a fact, but it's not, our opinion is such that this continent is huge. Massive. And it's so far from everything else in the world, geographically, that... Traveling by caravan or by RV or by camper van, whatever, or even tents, people are there's tents everywhere mm -hmm. that people do this because this is the means of, of, of travel and learning about the country and getting out and just going away for a weekend. Yeah, that's and, it. And it's affordable. Um, and it's if you have a family, this is like you know, this is the thing, this yeah. is what you do. Yeah, so while at Bully Beach, we got to see the Life Saving Club competition. I didn't know what this was. You didn't know what it was. It no. was like an Olympics taking place on the beach between paddleboarding and running 
And so we had no clue. There's one of these clubs basically in every city. Every beach town. Yeah. Yep. Along. A life-saving along, club. Exactly. Along the shoreline. So, yeah, it's it's where they train lifeguards. So, yeah, we, we asked a local. We saw this guy and I said, what's going on here? He explained to us that most most of these beach towns have a life-saving life club. club. Mm-hmm. And what they are is an organization for kids growing up where they teach you how to swim. They teach you life safety emergency response. They teach you how to go out if you see somebody's drowning. It's how... like Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts for the ocean. Yes. So Good call. Yeah. CPR. How to bring someone in if they're in trouble. Team like, building. Team building. Yeah. Being staying in shape. Like it, it literally is like they don't have badges, but they should. It's the same sort of thing. And so this competition was really interesting because it was all younger children up until the age of, I think, 14, 15. And it was all the different clubs in the area competing against it's each like other. It's like a bracket. Yeah. yeah. So it's like each day a, a club gets, who wins, gets points. And it's also like an individual thing, but more a club thing. And it goes throughout the whole summer. And so they have all these different competitions. But it was actually really funny because I was watching all these kids and I was like, I bet you like at least 50 to 60% of these kids drop out by the time they're in high school because they don't want to be doing this when they're in high school. And uh, That's what Keith, Keith said. Keith confirmed Keith it. Keith confirmed. He said, he my did. son only has a couple years left. Yep. Yep. But yeah, so, very cool experience to see and, and had to have like a local perspective to know what it was. Otherwise, yeah. you couldn't guess what this situation was. We had two days at Bowley. Then we made our way two hours to Jervis Bay. Mm-hmm. We stopped along the way in Kiama. Very busy town. Street fair happening that day as we rolled through. Another learning lesson about Wanda we found out that day in Kiama. Wanda rolls when in park rolls backwards on very steep hills yeah so i said listen we it was chaotic it was like coming into you know the, the sunday I was, fair i was super stressed like so, there was so much traffic yeah so so i was like Jonica, okay we'll leave we'll get out of like the, the epicenter of town and we'll find a place to park this big van mm-hmm. so we parked on this very steep hill very steep so i said Jonica, throw it in park put the emergency brake on we'll be fine Jonica follows that direction and is not, you know, very obliging, but knowing that this is a bad idea. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you took your foot off the pedal. Off the brake. Or excuse me, off the brake. Yep. What happened? She rolled. She rolled backwards. Mm-hmm. The thing was rolling down yeah. the hill. Yeah. So we had another dispute at that time. Mm-hmm. And then we found another place to park. We did. Much flatter, much better, less stressful. Yeah. And we did the old... Uh, trick that you learn in driver's ed about turning your wheel in so that if she did start to roll because now we have zero faith in wanda's non-rolling capabilities when in park uh that that helped and we left her and we came back and she was still there yeah i mean there was hesitation i think the entire time we were visiting the market that the van would roll into the intersection yeah and cause a traffic jam we were waiting to hear people yelling or talking about it but Luckily, it was fine. She was there. Don't want to stay in the same place. Yep. We continued our drive down to Jervis Bay, where we stayed at the Holiday Park in Huckison. Mm-hmm. Uh, beachside community again. Um, Huckison is a tiny town with more fish and chips, lots of ice cream. This uh, is a theme. This is an Australian theme. We love you Australians, but my God, you eat so much ice cream. And gelato and fish and chips. so much fish and chips. Love it's that shit. insane. 
we met a number of older Aussies when we uh, went to cook for the first time. <laughs> yeah. They have these like little like camp kitchens. They're basically a a communal kitchen, yeah. if you will, in the yeah. in the camp in the holiday park sites. So we're there, and we are we are a younger demographic among these folks for sure. And it's a, a perfect place to go when it's raining or too windy because for us especially. Um, we have to cook outside of Wanda. It's a pull-out little two-burner propane thing. And so if it's too windy, we can cook, but it takes a really long time. And if it's raining, it's miserable. So if these camps have these kitchens, it's a great place to go and cook your dinner and then inadvertently strike up some interesting conversations. Yeah, we met, and as we said, this older Australian gentleman. He took a liking to Janica real quick. <laughs> Mainly because he saw that she was cooking vegetables. You were cooking broccoli or something. Yeah, they all they were all like, "Who's cooking broccoli?" They were not impressed at first. They were, and then they were like, "Oh, we figured it had to be someone younger." We also got to finally see the lorikeets. Oh my god, I was obsessed. Lorikeets, they're yes. so beautiful. Literally, every color of the rainbow. These parrots, they are feisty and beautiful they try to get in the van they want food they will land on your chair on your table everywhere but then they're loud but they're so beautiful so as we were saying the weather was not really cooperating Mm -mm. so next day at Jervis Bay we got up and went to the neighboring town 15 minutes away picked up some beach cruisers took those bikes all along the ocean where you can pull off we stopped at some like little beaches kind of hung out for a little bit yeah, it was uh, good in the early part of the day, actually. Yeah, the weather cooperated. Mm-hmm. We went out to the beach at one point and laid around. Then we returned to Huckerson to get a little lunch. Mm. And what do you think that we had? Oh, my. I'm going to say fish and chips. Oh, what was the only place open? Hmm, fish and chips. So we walk into this fish and chips place, and there's a meal for two. And and I was like, oh, perfect. This would be great for Jonica and I. We'll, we'll get some fish and chips. We'd only had it once, I think. And yeah, we... and I thought, like, okay, something that I can eat that won't murder my stomach because maybe not everything is breaded. Oh, no. So not for, true. The first thing is, the woman behind the counter says, and do you want chicken salt on that? And I said, well, what's chicken salt? And she goes, it's like salt but better. That was the description. And how, how do you say no to that? I was like, put some chicken salt on that. Whatever yeah. it is. Does it go on the fish, the fries? I don't care yet. Yeah, Throw it on. put it on. Well, the t- meal for two easily could have fed five adults. At least. It was so much food. It was calamari. It was shrimp. It was fish. It was a deep fried crab stick. And like 10 pounds of chips, a.k.a. fries. It was a lot. We've decided we're, we're going to boycott no eating more. them from now on after no that meal. No more fish and chips ever again. Okay. So on a better note. Yeah, we continued from <laughs> Jervis Bay along the coast. We headed to Batemans Bay, which is two hours south. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a very small town, mostly retired community. Doing this road trip uh, a bit before the holiday season, there's almost nothing open. In a lot of places. Yeah. Except Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Maybe Sunday if you're lucky. But we had a great site. It was our it was beautiful. We, we were able to park this camper van. It was right off the beach. There was a park right next door with like an, a, a bird. It was an aviary. Like a bird yeah, zoo. It was like a, one of those horrible zoos that you wish. It, like a zoos again in air quotes because it's like just a tiny, horrible, sad place where animals are kept in t- small cages. But there were peacocks there. Yes. And they were very loud, and they woke us up every morning 
at the end of the day, we had an amazing first rooftop sunset on Wanda here in Bateman's Bay. Um, but that changed very quickly as the weather got worse. Yeah, the weather kept worse. getting worse. Okay, we are continuing into the rain and cold as we travel down the southern coast of Australia. But before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. back thank you for listening to episode eight of address unknown and we are continuing our road trip down the southern coast of australia and as we alluded to in the morning when we were leaving bateman's bay it was pouring rain uh so we packed up and drove about two hours to mimosa rocks national park on the way, we stopped at Wallaga Lake National Park to hike in and see Horsehead Rock. And the reason it's named that is because it looks exactly like a horse head drinking from the bay. Really beautiful. We made lunch at the park and continued our drive. One of the first things that we noticed when we were driving is that we went through a forest that um, there had been a bushfire a number of years ago. And all the tree trunks were black, but you would think that all the leaves would be gone, but they weren't. Like all the leaves and the pine needles were were still on the trees and they were all different shades of orange and red. So it almost still looked like the forest was on fire. It was very eerie, a very weird thing to see and something obviously that unfortunately Australians are all too familiar with. Once we arrived at the Mimosa Rocks National Park entrance. There was a super steep and bumpy drive down to the actual campsites. This is the most primitive site that we've stayed at. So as we drove down, there's sites, but there's like scattered out houses. That's it. Those are your only amenities. You have to bring everything in with you. There's no water, no electricity, anything. We got to our site and it was absolutely stunning. We backed up. There were a few bushes that separated us from one of the most pristine beaches I have ever seen. We went out and took a very long walk down the beach and we were the only people there. Private beach again. Private beach, which was amazing. Perfect white sand, turquoise water, and there was like this freshwater or maybe brackish, I'm not sure, lake that were tons of huge black swans, which we have now seen a ton of, but this was our first time seeing them. We went back to the campsite and we were sitting there hanging out and all of a sudden I was like, there's something in that bush right there that's, that's coming out. And this massive, I'm going to say four feet long, lace monitor came out of the bush. Yeah, it's not like a chameleon. This no. isn't. This is not even a... a iguana. Iguana. This no. is like... A, it sort of looks like a, a Komodo dragon, but yes, smaller. it looked Very like a small, Komodo but dragon. a Komodo dragon nonetheless. But like huge claws. And I was like, this thing is going to bite and kill us. And so I immediately ran to the van. And Mark stayed out and took some photos of it. It was, our, it was our first run-in with a semi-poisonous 
deadly animal in Australia for yeah. the most part. I will, our first. Our first run. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're getting used to it now. But he walked along and went on his merry way. And that night, it was Thanksgiving evening, technically, for us. And so we made some very traditional pho soup for dinner and had some wine. You can't make a turkey without an oven and we don't have one. No, that's true. And, uh, but anyway, as we're making dinner, all of these kangaroos and wallabies started hopping in and around our campsite. And there had to have been, what, two dozen of them? There were tons. I thought that the Australians would be like, whatever, they're like deer, like who cares? But everyone was taking photos of them. There was a mom with a joey in her pouch. We went up on the platform and took some photos, watched the sunset. It was it was very magical. Yeah. Hermosa Rocks was great. It, it, it was beautiful. I wish we had had more than one day and night there. But we had to keep rolling, you know? Wanda keeps it going. Yep. So after leaving Hermosa Rocks, we made our way an hour and a half to Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, Eden is a historically a whaling town known for their whale festival, which kicks off in the start of the migration of the humpback whales when they head to Antarctica. So their, their whole history, their whole tourism industry to date, everything is based off these humpback whales. Because you forget how close, you're not like insanely close, but you are very close to Antarctica. Like that's it. Yeah. That's the next, the next place. Yeah. And, and so we, we made our way to the campground which again was right on this very pretty beach. It had red sandstone rocks. We took a little walk mm-hmm. down the beach as we normally do when we get there. Um, this was an area where the ocean was more calm than the previous night, so we could kind of get in, take a little dip. Mm-hmm. Um, it's located in the two bays that make up Two Fold Bay, which is we'll get where the whaling part comes from, actually. Yeah, we'll put more about that history and everything again on the on site. The, on the website, which mm-hmm. is addressunknownworldwide.com My dad told me the other day after listening to seven episodes he's like, <laughs> I didn't know you had a website We've mentioned the website in every single episode since it's been live, Damon <laughs> So, go to the site people. Yeah, check You'll it out. see more You'll learn more. Yeah. It's there uh, We, as we said, we took a walk, we made a little dinner called it a night because it was raining. Ugh, again This happens. The next morning it was raining on and off, but we had a, actually, a, this is exciting, we had a little this oyster tasting and shucking class mm-hmm. that we had booked. Mm-hmm. When we lived in Brooklyn, we we were part of this oyster share program, so think of a, a CSA for oysters. It, it was called The World's Your Oyster, mm-hmm. and on a monthly basis, you would get 24 oysters delivered to a, a wine shop that was in Brooklyn. And they had different pickup locations depending on like where you lived. So ours just happened to be the local where we were in Brooklyn neighborhood wine but shop. It was it was great cross marketing because you would go mm-hmm. and you'd pick up your twenty four oysters. Who doesn't want to drink wine with oysters? And then you'd buy a bottle of wine from them, and yeah. they knew that. And yeah. that was the great part about it. Mm-hmm. We loved it. And if you love oysters, we highly recommend the service. Again, the world's your oyster is the name of it. Uh, we make our way to this oyster shucking class. This was at Broadwater Oysters in Pambula Lake. Mm-hmm. It's Brackish Lake located just north of where we were in Eden. Yep. These were Sydney rock oysters. We learned a lot about how they grow them. Being as it is this brackish water, it's an entirely different process than the oyster farming on the East Coast in the United States. These oysters take three and a half to four years to mature. Which is insane. I had no idea. It's a lot of investment. Yeah. It's a long time. 
So every oyster that we ate was close to four years old. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Pacific oyster, which they also have that mature in like six months. The Sydney rock oysters are thought to be much more superior because of their vintage, because of how long it takes. Yeah. They take longer to grow. We learned there are three different sizes or classifications. Same Sydney rock oyster, just different genetics that determine how how large they are. The oyster business in this part of the country was suffering from the amount of rain they were getting lately. Hmm, the rain that we were experiencing. God, so much rain. Uh, because the water is brackish, there was too much fresh water. They were beginning to die as a result of this. Now, we have learned to shuck oysters previously. Yeah, we've shucked a lot. We had to disclose this to our teacher at Broadwater because she was trying to tell us the fundamentals of, okay, this is the knife you're going to use. And I felt terrible. And I said, listen. And the glove and everything. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." Not that we're experts by any means. I was like, we got to be honest with you. We've we've done this before and we were not very good at it. She taught us how how to correct the problem. We shucked and got to eat, I'd say, close to two dozen oysters probably between the two of us. At least, yeah. Yeah, not including like ones that we like learned on or Mm -hmm. she taught us on. We had different sauces to try. We had Prosecco. This was all for 146 Australian dollars, so it's roughly $96 for the two of us. And we got to learn about all the, the factory where it all happened within their farm, like, and how they actually clean them, how they, everything. And I will say, because it was raining, that was one of the plus points, I guess, is that we were the only ones, it was, again, private class. Yeah, we got two there. Everyone else canceled because of the weather, and we were just like, well, we're only here for this day, so we have to do it. One so. of the greatest experiences, of really, so far. Like, yeah, so it's been have, great. Have that one-on-one mm-hmm. at the Oyster Farm. But then after that... After shucking and eating our fill, we drove back down to town to go to the Killer Whale Museum. Yes. This is like what Eden was known for, is the Killer Whale Museum. <laughs> and we'll, there was this, we'll start off by saying there was a very nice woman who was working the front desk... Oh, she at, was so lovely. ...at the Killer Whale Museum. And she asked us where we were from, and we said, oh, we, you know, we're, we're from the Midwest, we lived in New York, blah, 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 went through that spiel. Turns out she used to work at the Bloomingdale's on 59th and Lexington in New York City, and she would travel there once a week to go meet with other buyers. So she had this whole New York lineage. Yeah, she loved it. She was very upset to, to hear about the, the closures of all the the great stores on Fifth Avenue bar- and such. Yes, yes. She asked Barney. She was very upset, but she was very cute. But anyway. Yeah, so at the Whale Museum, the Killer Whale Museum, you enter, and there is an automatic directive to take in this video, 30 minute video of the history of the museum and the history of whaling in Eden. Most of what is covered in the museum is actually on the DVD. So you probably don't even have to go into the museum, but Mm-mm. but we did, we checked it all out. We watched the video. There seemed to be some sort of very close relationship between these whalers and the killer whales yep. as they hunted humpback whales. And that's what this museum was all about. As well as pretty kick-ass memorabilia for these sweet parties that the town would throw and all of that. In the 80s, yeah. Side you, note. You had to be there. Side note, there are a couple of cute and historic places to eat and drink and eat in. The Great Southern Inn, which is a pub, former hotel, or motel. Great food. Turns out a lot of pubs and restaurants are called hotels still. Yeah, even mm-hmm. though they don't really serve patrons. No. Well, you can't stay there. They serve patrons, but you can't stay there. Yeah, yeah. You, yes, you can't stay overnight. Right. Unless you've had maybe too much to drink, they'll let you go upstairs. Mm-hmm. There's also the Australasian, which is a newly remodeled hotel 
Uh, we didn't go here, but live music on the weekends, great bar, cute town, probably more to do in the high season than when we were there, but the Whaley Museum was top-notch. Great attraction for the city, I would say. Yeah. So, the next day, we had a very long drive. Four and a half, if not five hours. We drove from Eden to Seaspray. It was pouring. The roads were flooded. It was a super stressful drive. Seaspray is a very tiny oceanside town on 90 Mile Beach, which apparently Crocodile Dundee references. We went for a walk on the beach, but other than that, we, we couldn't even leave the van. It was pouring. It was insane winds. So high winds that we thought the van might actually blow over at times. This is one of the not Instagram moments that you talk about in van no. life. Sitting in the van for Sucked. nearly 48 hours except to go out and cook was kind of... Eh, you don't really advertise that too much, but this shit happens. I mean, thank goodness this campground, though, had amazing amenities. Um, their kitchen was incredible. It was beautiful really well done. Bathrooms were great. Showers were great. So that was a little reprieve, a little light at the end of the tunnel. But the interesting thing is that Sea Spray, while being a very cute town and does get very, very busy in the high season, there's nothing really there. So you have to drive a good 20, 30 minutes to the town of Sale to get all of your groceries and if you want to go out to eat like there's literally nothing in sea spray other than the campground and the beach but if you're prepared and that's your jam do it get it yep um so anyway we didn't sleep well <laughs> didn't love it <laughs> but people go there and they do love it after a couple of miserable days we drove two and a half hours to wilson's promontory or the prom as people call it again the drive through crazy wind and rain the roads were again flooded having to fight wind while driving wanda has proven to be a big issue because she is so tall so she gets blown around a lot the roads that lead down to the holiday park where we stayed at tidal river were amazing you can see all the sprawling landscape and the coastlines again this park is huge and it is the most southern part of mainland australia yeah it's kind of like the keys of florida if you will for the yeah. united states not without the sun <laughs> and the beaches and, and, and I think the beach, well, if there was sun, then the beaches would be the same. Yeah, it was like the Keys without Latida. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, Latida. Anyway, uh, you should make reservations in the park. Yeah. Because it can get really full. There are cabins there, there are also powered and non powered sites. The amenities were super basic not great. I will say that I chose not to shower because I did not like the looks of them. Um, but it, it was really like being in a scout camp. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to say that. Yeah, but it was, it was not, rough. Yeah, it was not great. Um, but the location was amazing. Uh, we saw our first wild and alive wombats. Really crazy weird animals. They're like a cross between a rabbit, a woodchuck, and a beaver. <laughs> they have these crazy weird long big butts and another we're gonna say another poop thing. Uh they're the only animals that poop cube shaped, which mm. I don't even know how you do that. Anyway, these rain days definitely got to us. Our tempers were high and our fuses were very short. 
everything was wet. We were wet. The clothes were wet. Our bedding was wet. There was rain coming in through the doors. We were trying to make food because there was no camp kitchen at this park. And so again, like we talked about at the start of the episode, like these are the days that don't usually get talked about. Um, but we were absolutely miserable. God, it was brutal. Yeah. But I will say our full day there, it stopped raining for a bit and we did a really nice hike. We hiked the three bays, Squeaky Beach, Picnic Bay, and Whiskey Bay. The trail was about seven miles round trip. It took us about four hours. It was very hilly. Squeaky Beach did not squeak because it was so wet, but it was still beautiful. This was one of the places that you had marked off forever ago that yeah. you wanted to go to. Yeah, you know when you like see it on, on Instagram? Or you on, save it. And you save it, and, and you save it, and it goes into Google Maps? The Squeaky Beach was one of those places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Different reality when we got there. Yeah, but still beautiful, incredible. As we are getting back from the hike, of course, it started to rain. So after our two days of soggy, wet prom, we made our way to Phillip Island. This island is popular for its little blue penguins. Oh my God, sure they're knows about so this. cute. Uh, we we did not have a lot of time on the island, uh, so as soon as we arrived, we walked across the street from where we were staying in our holiday park to the Koala Conservatory. We will also put this up on the website, which is... AddressUnknownWorldwide.com Cool. Great conservatory. This is not like Hug a Koala Don't touch farm. them. No. This, yeah, you're a distance from them on purpose. They're kept... Actually, from uh, wildfires that occurred yeah, in northern Australia. Yeah, re- rehabilitation. There were two different areas with koalas, uh, which they were asleep because they sleep almost 20 hours a day. It's a long time. We saw some babies sleeping with their moms. They were so cute. There were a couple that were eating. Mm-hmm. This was all, It was great. The park was so well done. It was beautiful. Um, as we said, you're a distance from the koalas. There is no touching. Mm-mm, no touching. They can, I mean, if they want to come up to you, like, they can. Like, yeah. we got pretty close to one because he was eating and he was close to the walkway, but that's on them. They're still wild animals. They don't encourage you to interact with them at all. We went and grabbed dinner. And then, of course, we headed to Phillip Island's most well-known tourist attraction, the Penguin Parade. The Penguin Parade. But there were a few things we wish we would have known, right, about this? Yeah. Yeah, it was a very modern visitor center. You got to go early. They say 7.30. I would be there at 6.30 because there's a lot to see. Yeah. There are some restaurants where you can eat dinner, which would have been easy to then transition over to the seating seating information Mm -hmm. uh, where we were set up for watching the penguins. penguins. Mm -hmm. We took a seat on uh, some of these bleachers right as the sun begins to go down. Mm -hmm. Uh, We brought a towel because it's cold, it's wet. It's an environment for penguins. Yeah, you're right on the ocean. And again, you're like basically at one of the most southernmost points. So penguins equal usually cold temperatures. So Yeah, to be to be clear, this is this is not like a Macy's Day parade of penguins, okay? (laughs) This is penguins that are about a foot and a half tall. They've come they've they've been in the ocean for a month to a month and a half feeding. Mm Mm-hmm. And they come out of the water, and this is as its sun's going down. So the wa- it's dark. Yep. And there's these little herds of penguins. I'd say twenty to forty at a time, mm-hmm. waddling up out of the out of the surf, mm-hmm. and they make their way up the beach, and they go up a little hill to where all their nests are. 
But first they get scared and go back into the water and then come out and go back into the water and then come out. So I said they, waiting should, they should figure out a way to make money and bet on this. They should like place bets <laughs> on which ones come out first. And it's which like a turtle come. race. Yeah, it's very much a turtle race. Oh, yeah. It's a slow progression. Yeah. But then after they all come out, you can go on these elevated walkways and there they all are. They're coming back to find their mate. Well, we were there during mating season. They come back and there's squawking noises, there's bird sounds, but there's like an echoing sort of... I don't know, they just make a lot of noise. Several different kinds, because each one of them has their independent sound to find their mate. Yeah. This is all happening as you walk up along the boardwalk. Sir David Attenborough would do a much better job of describing this than we are. Yeah. Lots of calls. But very cool to witness, worth it. Go early, leave late. It's amazing. And yeah. you have to get tickets beforehand. You have to get tickets beforehand. This is easily the most touristed attraction we found outside of a major city. The next morning, we woke up early. Our final stop before Melbs, the Peninsula Hot Springs. We had been wet and cold for many days, so sitting in the hot pools sounded amazing. This place is huge, and as we were driving up, we realized that we were not going to be the only people there that day. We kind of thought we would because it was pouring down rain. So we're like, maybe people aren't going to go. Yeah. Saturday morning at the hot springs on a rainy day, extremely popular. <laughs> yes. It turns out extremely popular. Spent a couple hours. Yeah. Lots of people. There is like, well, again, we'll put more information on the site, but... um. There's over 50 pools there. Like, there's... there's they say 70 amenities, which is, like, yeah. cold plunge, hot pools, seating area. Yeah. There's there's a lot of pools, but you have to reserve a time to get there. Mm -hmm. But then you can stay as long as you want. So therein lies the rub, I think, because you could get there super early, which is what we did in Rotorua in New Zealand. And we were the only ones there, which was incredible. But because of our drive, we were like, we'll get there at 10, which I think we got there closer to 1030. It wasn't insanely busy. It was busier than we would like. But by the time we left at like 12 or 1230, it was packed. Like I didn't want to be in most of those pools because there were so many people yeah. and gross. Yeah. I would do a weekday. Go a weekday. Go a weekday and, and go early. Yep. Or late. I think it's open 24 hours. And you can you can glamp there. You can do all sorts of different things. Retreats and stuff. Yeah. We'll put this information on the site. Anywho, after the stop there, we finally made our way to Melbourne. But that is where we are going to leave this episode. The next episode, we will pick up the road trip because we have been to Melbourne. We have spent time there and we have also stopped at a couple of other places as we make our way to Adelaide and then back around. So let's take a quick break before we get into our love and learn. We are back. All right, Farber, what is your love and learn from this first leg of our road trip here in Wanda? I, th I think I said we, this is one of the things I'd be excited about, but really what it is is the people that you meet in these holiday parks or camper van parks 
Um, and, and the reason I say this is like our first night when we were in Bully, I'm going to grill some meat. She's there grilling meat and we start talking and she's this mom that um, they're driving around Australia because her daughter is an equestrian horse rider. And that's great. And, and the child is doing great in the equestrian world. Her other child, which was her son, has special needs, has Asperger's. And she's balancing out this relationship between the two of them. One that's like getting all the attention and one that is also getting much more attention from the mother. So we start talking. She tells me all about like their tour and what they're doing. It was just, it was just a great meeting. Someone I've never would have pictured in my life meeting before. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, the other, the other, I say the other group of people I really like, the cashiers at the small town grocery stores. <laughs> I love them. It's not even just the grocery stores. It's like the butchers and like everywhere. These it's... people get so excited when you tell them what you're doing or where well, you're first, going. first they're like, you have an accent. Yes. Where are you from? Yes. And then you get into that and then they're like, oh, my gosh, that's, this is crazy. How long are you in Oz? And then mm. you start going on and on and on. I, I the, the people in the grocery stores and the people I meet in these camper van communities thing is just... You feel like a celebrity. They're very mm. excited. Yeah. Yeah. They want to know all about you. Yeah. I like that. Cute. Okay. Yeah. All right, Farber, what's your learn? The caravan park is a huge lifestyle for people from this country. Mm-hmm. I will say that only from our experience thus far in Wanda that I've actually learned this. Unlike in the U.S., where people generally tend to put their income towards a large home. People here tend to have a more modest home, I think, and then have a camper van or a trailer type thing, pull behind an RV, and they go all over the country in these things. And this goes for surfers, it goes for school kids, it goes for families. We've seen all of these people at these camper vans, parks. So... I know this is a thing in the U.S., but I also realize it's like a summer thing and it's over. Here, it seems to be very much a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that's my learn. I really had no clue this was such a thing. It makes sense when you take a step back and you're like, oh, it's a country that's like really far from everything and, and work with what you got. These people are doing that. It's very clear. Yeah. So that is my learn, my dear. And what is your love? My love is that... There are a ton of hidden gems, especially when you're on the road, right? I feel like we're pretty good at doing our research. We we have our books. But a lot of these places, we don't have the internet. So honestly, I'm glad that we have the books. Um, I didn't realize that we wouldn't have internet so much. So that's been maybe part of a learn. But um, no, it's these hidden gems. You read about these towns and you think, oh my gosh, they're going to be amazing and there's going to be so much to do and all these places to visit and you get there and it could just be circumstance, right? And they're closed. We're there during the week and it's not the high season, which everyone keeps talking about. And so everything's open a couple hours during the weekend. But it's these places that you don't expect anything from that turn out to be amazing. Mimosa Rocks National Park, for example. Um, We just kind of booked it because it was a a stop between two places that we were going. Um, And it ended up to be, thus far, I think the most beautiful campsite that we have had. But 
there's going to be more of those hidden gems that we will talk about uh, in our following episodes. But yeah, that's been my love. And what is your learn? My learn is that the world moves a lot faster than I think you even think it will, especially even in like remote towns and parts of the country. For example, we'll get into this more obviously in the next leg of our, our trip, but we talked about it a bit when we went up to Cairns and not booking out diving far enough in advance. We're realizing now we've started to book the next part of our trip far too late. And so I think that flying by the seat of your pants and not booking things ahead of time and thinking about where you want to go and what you want to do, especially if you have more of a specific route or places you want to go, you need to book them further in advance than I think either of us would like. Agreed. Yeah. I, and for me, that was like a challenge for myself before we embarked on this trip is that I am a crazy planner, right? Like I plan things out way far in advance. And so I've been trying to be super chill about booking things. And that has led to some situations for us. Let's just say. Yeah. So that's my learn. All right. That is going to do it for us here on Address Unknown, Episode 8. One thing before we check out here or knock off, we do have a website. Yeah, drop us a line. Drop us a line. We are asking, Ask us a question. We are asking listeners of this podcast, please, if you would, just ask us some questions that you have so that we can respond back to you in the next podcast. You don't have to do it on the website, though, either. You could also do it on our Instagram. You could do it on Facebook. Get at us. Ask, ask us all your pressing questions about anything and everything. But until then, the next episode... Does it ever stop raining in Australia? <laughs> Melbourne versus Sydney. Until then, bye. bye.